Hello, everybody, and welcome to show 12 of Cloud Conversations with Rue and Pete. And it's great of you to join us again. Uh, my name is Peter, or Pete Rising. I'm a Microsoft MVP in Office Apps and Services. And as always, I'm joined by my very, very good friend, indeed, Rue Campbell. Hey, Rue, how are you today? Hey, Pete. All good here. All good here. Excited for the show. Uh, episode 12. These are kind of flying by now. It's getting a bit crazy. <laughs> it's just pow, pow, pow with these episodes. But no, uh, very happy to be joining you and very happy to be uh, introducing uh, our guest today, Holly Lehman, who works as a program manager for Microsoft in the Azure team, mm -hmm. focusing on product improvement. So Holly, how are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Happy Friday. Yeah, yeah, I'll say. It's uh, been a long Absolutely. week. <laughs> so I guess, uh, you know, if you could just uh, kind of introduce yourself to our viewers, uh, tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself, where you're from, how did you end up in Microsoft? That's always an interesting story. And then also, mm -hmm. what do you do in the Azure team? Yeah, okay, well... Again, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Holly Lehman. I am, as Rue said, a program manager at Microsoft. I work on the Azure Product Improvement CXP team, and I've housed myself under the partner world, which I am super pleased that I've had that opportunity. A little bit about me to start off with. I am actually a Las Vegas native. I am a Nevadan, um, born and raised, went to college uh, for communication and law, believe it or not, ended up falling into 10 years working on the administrative administrative side of law. Um, after two police departments and a jail, I figured, you know, I, I think I need to find a, a new gig and went into <laughs> working for hospitality. So I worked um, almost every front of house, you know, role that you can think of, ended up opening a hotel where I got my program management skills at. I was one of the first to be hired for this resort. I was there when it was um, dirt. And to be there when you open the doors, it's just the coolest experience ever. Um, and then we found out we're having a baby. So came to Seattle and my heart is around guest experiences and customer service. So went to hospitality and after I realized having a baby and crazy schedules aren't always the best scenario, um, I, I wanted to you know go out of my box and start a new journey that would give me a really long standing career. So of course, where did I go? I went to Microsoft. And after two years as an admin, I decided I wanted to change hats and roles. And that's not always easy in this industry. Um, once you're pegged with one sort of title, that that's it. So I left for two years, um, spent time with my family, came back as a program manager on Intune and configuration manager fell in love with what I did. I, um, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome a bit before we, we started to, to go live. And for years, it was a hard go for me because I had this massive imposter syndrome. Um, I'm not understanding where I fit into a technological technical world where my passion is people and customers and creating amazing experiences. And so after a few years of being on that team, the Azure team came and said, hey, do you want to build and brand and create um, a customer program for us? So I said, yeah. And I started to realize I had this crazy passion around logistics and events and connecting with humans in technology and sharing their story for them at times. Um, and so, yeah, I, I dealt with imposter syndrome. I still do every single day. I, I did five minutes before I logged on. Like, why why me? Why do I get to have this privilege? Um, <laughs> But it, it did teach me that your career journey, you never know what left or right it's going to take. And to realize that every skill, every personality, every talent is needed in order for an entire team to be successful. 
So here I am um, on the Azure team that I work on. I do run the North Star Partner Program. I have eight amazing partners that I get to work with. I share their story. I highlight what they're doing with our customers. I also have the privilege of hearing the technical feedback and sharing it back to the engineering team. So when Microsoft says we care and we're listening, that's the team I work on. My team basically listens to various feedback across Azure, and it's our job to help the engineering team prioritize the upcoming planning cycle based on information we're hearing and sharing back with them. So that's a little bit about me. Nice one. Awesome stuff. And, you know, it's interesting because you mentioned that one of the things that really stuck out to me uh, when you were introducing yourself and things, and you mentioned how you made that shift, uh, even with, yeah. when, within Microsoft, you shifted from one role to kind of another role. Mm -hmm. And that within IT, folks can sometimes get this label and it can be yes. hard to shift that label. Mm -hmm. Microsoft obviously has a really good reputation as being a good employer, but oh, did yeah. you find that you had to work hard to get rid of that label? And if so, what did you have to do to kind of then establish yourself in that new role? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And and I did. I Microsoft is an amazing employer and I learned that especially through COVID. I will say that. Um, what, what, Satya Nadella has done to, to really drive excellence and work-life balance and the importance of mental stability during all this chaos is really made me a Microsoft advocate. That's the positive. The negative is, yes, you're absolutely right. Changing hats is real difficult in any role. But I think for me, um, I was blessed to be able to go back to the team that I started on two years prior as the admin. So it, it, it did take me a bit of... I had to be a bit more clear. I'm not here as the admin anymore. I'm now a PM mm. running customer and MVP programs, and I'm here to, to grow my skill set. And I had to get real confident in the fact that I love this tech community. I loved what I was doing. I loved hearing the stories. I love sharing it back and, and changing somebody's internal point of view as to what is happening on the other side of the story. So part of it is really realizing why you made the change what your passion is, what strengths you're bringing that maybe nobody saw before. Mm -hmm. And and really evangelizing on those positive, I think does, it takes some time, but it does help wipe one title off and allow you the space to whiteboard the new title. Right, yeah. And I guess part of it must be, what's well, the, there's a figure of speech that, I don't know if you have it in America, but in, in, the, UK, in the UK it's prevalent and it's the proof is in the pudding. Yes. And so far as mm -hmm. if you're good at your job and you can show that you're delivering, that's right. That counts for something, I guess. Yeah. And and as a woman in tech, I mean, we talk about mm. diversity and inclusion all the time. <laughs> I, I've, I've dealt with so many different labels, right? Like, oh, you're a woman in tech who's never worked in tech. What do you know? What do you bring? Why are you here? You don't code. And so, right. you know, I've even had people tell me, tone down, tone down your look. Uh, don't wear as much makeup. Uh, don't do this. Don't do that. Um, I even have people say, you know, you're going to have to work twice as hard when you go into a room of engineers and, and share whatever the thing is, whether it's a project or it's an event or it's a case study. And I said, that's OK. I know why I'm here and mm -hmm. I'm willing to not change who I am, but to be what Donna Soccer says loudly myself and go into a room. And if I have to work twice as hard, I'm OK with that. But at the end of the day, when my experience drives positive results and solutions, mm -hmm. that's OK we'll get there. Everybody has some sort of hidden um, 
issue or discrimination or something that they're facing that no one knows about. And so sometimes for me, in my experience, I don't want to talk for everybody else. But for me, in my experience, I've had the non-tech to deal with. I've had the women in tech to deal with. And I've had the the fact that, you know, maybe I don't fit in based on looks and, and what that is supposed to look like, but I don't want to change who I am. That That's just something that I've determined to myself because I want to set an example for my daughters. Mm, for sure. Yeah. That's, and it, it's so cool how you mentioned, you know, if you have to work twice as hard to prove right. yourself, then so mm-hmm. be it. And the thing is, you know, if you work twice as hard, that's going to make you twice as strong as the person next yes. to you. That's right. You know, mm-hmm. and you, you put in what you get out. And I guess it's no one or very few people who, kind of when they look back at their life at the end of things and they've had it easy and all that kind of thing the folks that have had adversity to come over those are the folks that have got the interesting stories to tell they're stronger as a result of it and those are the folk you want on your side rather than the folk who've just had to kind of coast through life and take it easy the whole thing Mm. yeah i would agree with that and when you go into that situation where you go into that challenging situation holly and um you got some bias to deal with potentially. How do you? How did you deal with that? Did you go in and think, well, there's a balance here to be struck. I'm going to go in and I'm going to listen, uh, but also not be afraid to put my point across and uh, and have confidence in my own um, skills and abilities and, uh, and thought processes. What was that balance like for you? So there's two answers to that. One, I'll never forget when I left Las Vegas. It was a kind-hearted, joking statement. But my previous um, manager, he said, you're going to you're going to change. You're going to lose the, the Vegas that you've become. And there's been something in my head. This is my daughter. Hey, say hi, Abrina. And he said to me, he said, you know, don't don't lose who you are. Like, be yourself. And, and that's it's always something that's resonated with me that I don't want to lose. I don't want to get rid of who I am. I, I want to teach my kids that whatever your personality, your tastes, your likes, your dislikes, let that be who you are. Um, mm. But within respect to the other people in the room. That said, um, it, it's something that happened organically. I remember always worrying about level and title and, oh, you know, th- this is your title. You're so much you know, more developed than I am. Who am I to overstep? And then one day when I, I was a PM on, on my previous team, And there was an event that was just falling apart. And my boss said, I know this has nothing to do with you and what you're working on. Can you go in and and help get this back together and back structured? And I said, okay. And I walked into a room. It was the lowest title in the room. And I sat there feeling like, what am I doing here? And then suddenly I said, you know what I'm doing here? I I know how to do logistics. I love events. Mm. I love community management. And I can do this. And all of a sudden, I was able to be myself and say, hey, here's what I think we should do in respect to everybody in the room. And it was just taking that moment of of reminding myself what my strengths are and why Microsoft hired me that allowed me within respect, get a room together and get us all driving in the same course and, and get everything back course corrected. Yeah, and opening a hotel, that must have um, stood you in amazing stead for, for experiences like that. I, I guess yeah. in that time in your life, I'm guessing you've seen some very interesting stuff. <laughs> have you got any uh, funny tales to tell from, from that time in your life? Yeah, actually. So because we worked around the clock and because there was no title at that point, it didn't matter if you were, because I supported two vice presidents. It didn't matter if you were an admin, a VP, it didn't matter. You were there <laughs> to do all the work. I mean, I was running around checking hotel rooms with the housekeeping team. My first 
you know, project was researching toilets, like the height, the size, what works, what doesn't. I mean, and you really did everything. Um, but the, one of the funniest things was I supported the vice president of IT and they were doing room checks and all the rooms to make sure this new technology worked. And my room was the one that was completely backwards. Of all the people, hmm. my 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 curtains didn't open. They closed when you said open. When you opened the door, my lights went off instead of going on. I mean, it was just, <laughs> you look it back and you laugh. And I remember running around this hotel with everybody I worked with and everybody was themselves. They were there just to do a job and have fun at the end of the day, but make sure that this opening went smooth. Everybody was on board. Everybody was in the in the grass, you know, and I love that looking at all these managers and vice presidents that were up all night with us. And it just showed me I gained a lot of respect for these managers because they were in it with us. It wasn't I'm up here. You're down here. We were all checking mini bars, checking grommets, measuring, you know, tables and measuring the, the little, you know, the minuscule, what people think is minuscule, but if we weren't all doing it together and everybody wiped their title away, it wouldn't have gone as successful as it was. And it's a truly successful resort now. And so I'm really proud to be able to have that experience. Nice one. Awesome. It's, it's really cool when you see folks at that upper level of management taking ownership yes. and mm -hmm. getting in there with the weeds with you. And so far as you know, they probably don't have to do that, but by being there and being with you, it's shown that you're all one team. And that's they're right. not above you. Yeah, that's cool. And I guess, you know, do you, because there, there's always this, uh, how would you say, there's always a level of mystique for folks outside Microsoft looking into Microsoft, seeing how it's structured. Massive company, a lot of <coughs> corporate kind of style to it. Yeah. Do you find that within Microsoft insofar as, you know, folk like the management team are also getting in there and helping out folks that aren't in management? How does how does Microsoft approach that? You know, I'll say for anybody listening that's thinking of coming to Microsoft, my story is something that I'm proud of because I was a vendor twice and I was hired as a full-time employee. And and that's a blessing. I am I am I wake up every day feeling grateful that Microsoft gave me not one opportunity but two. <laughs> and what I noticed is there was more looking down on me outside of Microsoft than inside. So it was the people right. on the outside that would say, oh, you work at Microsoft. Are you a blue badge or are you a yellow badge or an orange badge? And I'm like, what does it matter what color my badge is? Because yeah. the people inside Microsoft saw that I was working at a blue badge level. I was there to get hired. I was there to be a Microsoft employee. I was not there because of what color my badge was. And so mm. I learned that it was more of an external view you know view of oh are you mm. are you really microsoft or are you just a vendor and it's like no i'm not just a vendor i'm here to work as an fte and i also made it really known that i want to be here full time and i will work mm. as a full time employee and so when people ask me how do i get into microsoft obviously there's all different paths but i said for me it was an opportunity for me to get to know microsoft the culture the team and i made it known that this was my goal so, you know, don't go in saying, oh, I'm just this color badge. Go in every single day working 
as if you are a full-time Microsoft employee. Oh, what a great tip. And, and I think that culture inevitably comes from the very top downwards, doesn't it? Absolutely. From Satya, the CEO, yep. because from the outside, looking at Satya as a, as a person who shares a lot of himself mm -hmm. um, quite openly on, on, on events, he seems very approachable, he seems very inclusive, mm -hmm. and he seems like he's happy to get involved in things. Just the other day at, um, at Build, um, I, I know a, a fellow friend of ours, Gregor Suti, who you know very, yeah. very well, Gregor and, and, and uh, Richard Hooper. Um, Gregor was on a, a Teams call at Build and, and Satya popped up on the call. So, I posted um, <laughs> that. I tweeted that moment. I was so yeah. proud of him to have that. And I said, tell me the truth. Did you know that he was going to pop in? He's like, I had no idea. <laughs> I was on my phone, like snapping pictures just as much. And, and to your point, he is so humble and approachable. And that's how all of my managers have been at Microsoft. Mm. Um, I remember my manager came to me in the hallway one day and he said, Holly, this is so hard for me to say. He goes, I know you want to work full time. We lost headcount. He goes, I just want to be transparent with you. If there's anything you need, I will write a reference. I'll write a re recommendation. And he said, but do me a favor. Before you take another role, tell me first. Mm. And... I did get a job offer outside of Microsoft and I don't know how they did it, but they didn't want to lose me on the team. And within 24 hours, I was in a loop and I was hired and it just showed that the managers and the team, if you're working as if you want to be there and you want to give that loyalty and empowerment that Satya talks about and you run and drive with that one Microsoft, things do work out and it's an opportunity for you to decide, do I like the team? Do I like the role? Do I like what this looks like? Or maybe I don't, maybe this isn't for me. So it's a nice little handshake opportunity for you to interview just as much as they are. Nice. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you mentioned you kind of went through that loop then how you kind of proved to the company that you were then worth keeping on in as far as even if they're having to make these kind of hard decisions mm -hmm. uh, and you, you've, you've jumped from role to role within Microsoft what would what does a current day in the life kind of look like for uh, an, a, a member of the Azure team focusing on product improvement? How do you take that feedback from folks in the community and mm -hmm. then implement that in the day job? So we have an amazing team um, that work with data and they work with CRM and they work with Power Apps to create this very, very process-driven approach. So basically what we do is we look at all of the, we call them um, source programs. So matured programs that are already out there. So fast track, CSAP, Pulse, uh, the customer community programs, partner community, MVP community. And as we're ingesting feedback from these different areas, we put it into CRM and then it's allocated towards that we call it a domain owner. So for me, um, I'm working on Azure Marketplace. I would go into Amalgam, which sits on Power Apps, which is an amazing, easy, low code option for people. And we created a program within Power Apps where I will go in, I usually do it twice a week, and I review the marketplace feedback. I then meet twice a week with the engineering team in Israel. And I say, hey, here's some new feedback that I've gotten. But it also, they'll come to me and say, hey, we've gotten this feedback. We want to validate it. Can we use your communities to also have a, a two-way discussion about it. Um, the other ways that we do it, it's the reverse. So instead of me ingesting feedback, as my program is getting feedback, I share it through you know, Azure DevOps and it's then again mm. ingested back into CRM and it's assigned to that domain owner. Me, because I'm impatient and I love my partners, um, <laughs> 
if I feel like it is something that's, that is high priority, I do both. I go to the domain owner, but then I also will do my best to go pound down doors to get answers sooner than later. Because the way I look at it is these partners are trying to make us look good and make their customers successful. So the quicker I can get them a turnaround answer, the more successful they're going to be. So mm. awesome stuff. Like. Fantastic, fantastic. And you're a you're a big advocate of that wider Microsoft community that we talk about a lot on this show. And and you work with a lot of the Microsoft MVPs. So tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about uh, what, what that community means to you. They run with heart, they run with passion and humility. And I say humility because the, the MVPs that I am privileged, I work with the CDM, EMS. Azure. I mean, I've worked with a gamut of our MVPs and every time I talk to them, they are so humble. They want to make Microsoft better and they have a story that is behind each one of them. Why? I mean, because they're doing a day job and here's what just blows my mind. They have a day job, but on top of that, they have other qualifications they need to meet in order to get that title. They are working their tail off day and night to get and keep that MVP title. And so I have a huge empathy and heart for what they're doing. And when I see the effort that they go to, to make their customers better and to integrate what they're doing in Microsoft into their day job and their passion, I, I can't say enough about what they're doing. And so when any MVP comes to me with a question or an ask, I do my utmost to help them because they're doing so much to make Microsoft successful. Yeah, it is kind of, it blows my mind how productive some of these folks are. I mean, just the other show there, we had a fella called uh, Rudy Ooms on, and okay. uh, he uh, puts out three or four blogs a week. That's crazy. Oh, yeah, tell me about it. It blows my mind. I thought I was doing pretty well with one a week, and then Rudy showed along and just kind of put me to shame. Uh, and then also, the I guess, the community-driven software that they'll release, you know, where maybe there's something that Microsoft don't have a solution for yet, so they'll just go away and make it themselves. And yeah. that stuff, it kind of blows my mind how folk can be so productive but also be so committed. And and I want to go back to the humility part of it. So there's three there's three MVPs that I worked with and forgive me but I forget the third one, but it's um Sam Eckerstein and um Steve Buchanan and oh my word, I feel terrible I forgot the third. <laughs> but they released a book about Azure and <laughs> their heart was to make sure any level could read the book and ingest it and get something out of it. So I said I'll read it. I'm happy to read it. What I loved about it is one, I, I got something out of it. I could read it. It was ingestible for any level, but also you could tell where Steve was writing. You could tell where Sam was writing because their mm. personality came out in the book and it shows their passion around making Microsoft better, right? Making our customers successful, teaching others. And, you know, Louise Free, she is a power ups guru. Mm. Yeah. And what I loved about meeting with her is not only is she teaching your daughter, but she said, here's the thing. If I learn something, who knows somebody else may or may not know about it, but I'm going to share the information in a blog and I'm going to write the blog in such a way where anybody can read it, get something out of it and, and try. And if they already know about it, okay, well then don't read the blog. That's okay. Uh, you know, Richard Hopper, same thing. He just released a book on AKS and he just said, you know what? I've learned so much. Why wouldn't I share this information? So they're not out to get something for themselves. I mean, that book Microsoft is releasing a, as a free download. Hmm. Um, so when you think about the effort and the passion and the pain that they're going through to get these books and blogs and podcasts out, I, I can't support them enough. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, our very own Pete here, he's uh, yeah. published two books. When's the th- oh. I don't know when the third one is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one and a half. I can't take credit for two completely. The first one, the MS500, was mine. The second one, the MS700 for the team's exam, I co-wrote with the wonderful and uh, fellow Microsoft MVP, Ned Chamberlain, who we absolutely must get on the show at some yeah. point. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, he's, he's such a lovely guy and uh, super talented and really brilliant. But um, but <clears throat> but yeah, I love writing so much. And um, and you're so right. We uh, it's a passion for mm-hmm. people in the community and people who um, put that work in and ultimately get rewarded by being awarded as, as MVP and nominated and then awarded. Rudy Humes, who we just mentioned there, who mm-hmm. uh, writes the three blogs a week. He, he's just being given the award and rightly so. So the, the, yeah. the, the, the system works, which is awesome. And it's a two-way relationship. I found mm-hmm. since I've been an MVP myself, I was awarded in October, 2020. Um, I found that Microsoft just are so open and giving and want to listen and want mm-hmm. feedback. And they give us so many opportunities to, to get involved and engage and, and provide that. So it's a, it's a brilliant relationship. I can't speak highly enough about it. it it's, it's so, so wonderful. But uh, anyhow, sticking on the subject of community, okay. but changing track very, very slightly, I want to talk a little bit about your own community contributions um, <laughs> that, that, you, that you do with um, your very, very good friend, the absolutely wonderful Izzy, Isadora Katanich. Who's and, a new uh, mama. A new, yeah. absolutely. A new mama. Yeah, congratulations, Izzy and, and Thomas, on, on the birth of the beautiful, uh, beautiful, your beautiful daughter, whose name is Amelia, isn't Amelia. it? Amelia. Mm-hmm. Amelia, what a lovely name. Um, could not be happier for them both. They yeah. are going to be such awesome parents, um, <clears throat> without a doubt. But but you do a your own YouTube show um, called mm-hmm. Head in the Cloud, Heart in the Community. Yeah. I've been lucky enough to be a guest on the show. So thank yeah. you again for having me on the show. It was a wonderful experience. And you've been an inspiration for us, without a doubt, Aww. Izzy and, 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 your, and yourself have uh, of, of paved the way and uh, for, for Rue and I to do, to do this, learn, learn well, from good. That those makes who happy. walk the path ahead of you. <laughs> ahead of you. So um, can you share a little bit about how you, you, you first got to know Izzy and um, what was the genesis of Head in the Cloud and Heart in the Community? Yeah, it's so funny. I feel humbled even talking about it in the sense that you, the MVP community has done so much for community. I'm humbled that, you know, this, this show has become noticed by so many and it makes me so happy. Um, Izzy and I actually, we, we talk about this. We've never actually met. Um, mm. We have been to multiple events together when we didn't know each other. We've never crossed paths, but we have been within the same community circle for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam, who I mentioned earlier, said, you've got to connect with Izzy on Twitter. We just got along so well. I've met her fiance, who's a cloud advocate for Azure. And um, we we were just joking one night and we did a TikTok together and we were razzing, you know, Joey Snow and, um, and Rick Klaus, and we were trying to get them to do it with us. And the point is the, the show went, or the, the little TikTok went crazy. We were shocked by how many views and how many comments. And here's the thing, whether people were laughing at us or with us, we got people during a pandemic to connect and to laugh. And that's all we really cared about. And so we started chit-chatting and I, I, you know, my imposter syndrome came up because I thought, why in the world would Izzy, who I just completely admire and love and respect, want to do something with me that's going to take up more of her time? 
But I sent a text and I said, hey, what would you think if we highlighted the humans in tech who we can't meet anymore at events and we share their story? Going back to what you said about community, when you forget that all these humans exist and the story behind these humans, like your beautiful story about your son, I mean, I love hearing the actual stories of what people are going through outside of the tech. The tech is only a piece of who they are. You've got, you know, Mary Rodriguez, who, who's an uh, award-winning author. You've got Ducks, who's this huge branding guru. I mean, there's so many things that people are doing outside of their day job, and we wanted to showcase it. We wanted to bring a little, like, sunshine to a very kind of dismal year. And so... Our focus wasn't about tell me about the APIs and the code you just wrote on GitHub and, you know, but we, we showcased what's your passion, what's tech, but how did you get into tech? And, and part of it was let's tell other people who are thinking about getting into any, any kind of new career. Hey, here's some different stories. I mean, we interviewed Donna Ryan and we found out she actually started community by being a, a chef. Right. I mean, um, in the tech community, she was a chef and they needed someone to set up a data center. Okay. And she liked it. Who knew? Um, and, and so outside of helping others see the positive that's out there that we don't see anymore, how to get into tech or in a new um, technology or a new career, we also wanted to showcase people are out there with these brilliant ideas, but they're too scared to take the jump. So let's mm -hmm. talk about what some of those fears are. Let's talk about what some of those goals might look like. Are you are you wanting to write a book? Are you wanting to design a new you know, clothing line? Are you wanting to you know, get a pet. I don't know. But, but just, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be being an MVP. I'm just saying it could be the simplest goal. And sometimes I think in this last year, people are scared to take a jump and Ooh. do this thing. And so we shared what other people are doing, whether it's writing a book, whether it's learning, you know, C sharp, whether it's learning, you know, power apps and sharing the humanized story behind the people in our tech community. And I know we talk about, the bots are coming and every, even if with machine learning and AI and um, virtual reality, at the end of the day, there is still a human somewhere mm, yeah. back there that are still creating and coding what are now running on their own. So when we take the humanized part of it away, we've, lo we've lost the heart of what the technology is. And when we forget that when we miss an SLA or when we, you know, don't get somebody unblocked soon enough, that's a person's job. That's, mm. that's, that's their lifeline. And, and when we get to share the story of our partners, customers and MVPs to the internal side of it, that's a, that's a huge win. Right. And so Izzy and I just wanted to have a moment to highlight the positive that's out there that we don't get to see. And, she is so brilliant and so good with marketing and so good with editing. So we use each other's skills where it, it makes us match in the middle. So it's not, I'm the co-host or she's the co-host. We're, we're just the host of the show. Um, mm -hmm. I have a piece before I do, you know, the logistical side of it. I, you know, reach out. She does, she and I work on the, the questions together. She does the editing and then we both share the marketing and the strategy and the, the social media piece. So it's just, I feel so blessed that I even got to do this with her. And we are taking a bit of a hiatus while she's on um, maternity leave, but we'll be back for sure. I think we can forgive you for taking a little bit of a, <laughs> a, little bit of a break. That's perfectly understandable. And, you know, like Pete said, uh, that show has really been influential, I guess, to other podcasts. Uh, I can't speak for them, but I can certainly speak for us. And as far as, you know, the format of the show kind of just stolen 
completely, you know, two, two co-hosts uh, <laughs> talking to folks. And it's about kind of hitting that balance of, yeah, yeah the technical stuff, because we're in a technical industry, but then talking to folks about, well, tell me what you're really like. Tell me the challenges yeah. you've overcome. Tell me about how you got into tech, because mm. it's one of those things that it inspires folk in a lot of way, I find. Mm. Uh, and also just speaking selfishly, this show has been a great opportunity just to connect with folks and meet yes. a whole bunch of people that are really cool that I otherwise would never have spoken to. You know, right. we That's mentioned right. just before the show was coming on, there's so many people you you see and hear on LinkedIn and Twitter, but you never have that conversation with them. And I think podcasts are a really cool way to then actually talk to people. Well, we mm. used to have that opportunity at the events, right? Like I would, right, I would yeah. see somebody and we would sit and have a quick coffee or a quick chat and you learn about who they are and their passion. And then you get inspired and you want to go do a thing. And we don't have that anymore. We, we don't have the ability to connect on this level. And so being able to virtually connect and share stories and share whether it's code or, you know, whether it's a new book that you're releasing and, and why you're doing it. I think when mm. people know the why behind anything, suddenly now you, you've gotten their empathy side and you've, you're pulling people in instead of just, oh, do you like Asher? I like Asher. Let's read a book. Great. But why, <laughs> did, you, why did you write the book? Yeah. What was your intent? Why, why did you, you know, download it for free? What, what, right? So it's so much more than just I wanted an MVP title. It's so much more than, mm. hey, this is a customer of mine or we want to do a blocky or we want to share your feedback. When they say Microsoft is listening, they truly are in different ways. And now that we can't do it, live at events or at Moneyball events or community events. I think this is the new way that we're learning from each other. And we can do it virtually without the cost. We just don't get the hugs. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It does. We've spoken to this before as well. Uh, and we spoke to, to Izzy about it. And as far as it does feel like if there's one advantage of all the stuff that's happened over the last, oh, geez, how long? 15 months? I it has, it, yeah, it's crazy. It feels like it has maybe reduced a little bit of barriers that folk might have had to yeah. getting into things. Yep. Uh, you know, online conferences and things, folk can just pop on and mm -hmm. perform a presentation. They don't have to get on planes and worry yeah. about stage fright and things like mm -hmm. that, you know. Uh, I don't so know. I still get nervous. Every interview, <laughs> every time I meet with a partner, I do still get nervous. But I, I mean, like for me, this was my first MS build I got to attend. And I was mm. so happy. I was so thankful because, you know, it. I could just log on at my convenience and my manager encouraged you turn off your, you know, calendar, shut it off, make, mm. make this your focus as if you would if you were attending live. Mm. Um, so there's pros and cons to it all, but there, we're finding ways to make more pros than cons, I think. Yeah. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. You, you mentioned how you still get the nervousness, the butterflies and things like that. Mm -hmm. This comes up a lot. Do you ever find that there's there's ways to get over it or is it just a case of get to, getting on with it and it's always going to be there? I look at it as I've already committed, so jump. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the other is it, the fact I'm always still nervous tells me I still care. That's, mm, right. that's how I look at it is that if I just Absolutely. logged in, didn't care, I, I've lost my passion and heart for it. It's so important to me when I would run an event, I ran m multiple customer events. I helped with MVP summit. I've done partner events. And it was so important to me that when they left, whatever that event was, that I knew that they were flying home back to their family and their job. And they said, no, those three days or that week or that two days, mm. it was totally worth my time. And I never want to lose that nervousness. So if someone's listening to this, I want them to, to end the podcast. I'm like, you know what? That was really cool. I'm glad I took the time to listen. 
Yeah. So that's yeah. how I look at it is I've already committed. So jump. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a nice one. That's a good quote. Can, you know, I've, I've already committed, so I'll just do it. Uh, and one of the ways that I can't remember who it was in the podcast we were discussing it with, but the way that I kind of think about this, because we've all done it in our careers, you find that point where you're like, oh, where do I go? What do I do? Hard decision yeah. to make. You kind of have to look at it and say, well, decision A is going to be frightening, but not making that decision and the alternative mm. of ignoring that decision, that's even more frightening. So yeah. you need something to kind of, not only need something to run mm. towards, but something to run away from. And in the case of stage fright and things like that, maybe it's better that, you know, you go, you go, you do it. If you're not good at it, so what? But that's mm. better than never doing it in the first place and living with that, uh, the, the what if syndrome, I guess. Mm. Mm. And I think nine times out of 10, trust your gut feelings because they will usually be correct. And if yeah. you don't take those <laughs> chances, you never know what will come of it. And and yeah, it may not work out, this, this, chance, this leap that you take, but it a, might lead to something better, something that you do want to do. And it's just as important to know what you don't want to do as what you do want to do. So if you can rule that out and say, that wasn't for me, then you know this now, which is which is a good thing. So, um, so to, your, to your point on that, when, my, when I was hired on Azure, I was hired to run the CDM MVP community and a customer community. As all, as all big companies, we had a reorg and my job drastically changed. All of the stuff that I loved and was my, my niche went to other teams and they said, okay, your new role is to really go deep on Azure, get technical feedback, share it back with engineers. I was terrified. I, who am I to go share with engineers who are coding these products, what, what, how they should be prioritizing the next planning cycle? Who, who am I to do that? Um, so it really did get me out of my box, but it also taught me what my passion and strength truly is. I, I realized I truly have a passion for events logistics and connecting with community, whether it be on social or face-to-face, -face, I love sharing the stories behind the technology. And so, you know, when, when you do take that leap, whether it's your choice or not, you at the end of the day will learn what your passions and your strengths truly lie. Yeah, definitely love that. It's like you will, you'll discover more about yourself if you go through adversity and you go through Absolutely. discomfort. Nice, yep. Totally agree. I guess mo moving on a little bit from yeah. the work environment and things like then, uh, you know, Microsoft and I guess even through Teams are uh, kind of putting a lot of focus on work-life balance and things like that. Yeah. You see it with Teams now, the virtual commute, things such as that. Uh, how do you approach work-life balance or work-life harmony, however you want to call it? You know, what do you do in your spare time to kind of disconnect and all that stuff? Well, one thing he's left the company now, but Brad Anderson, he he mm. ran um, EMM or Endpoint Manager, and um, you know he was a huge advocate. He said, "Go for a walk, go hug your kids, take your you can take a call on Teams, go for a walk, take your dog for a walk, get outside, go walk." And that was huge for me because I thought that somebody at him, his level is going to take that time. I need to do the same, mm. and not to be so hard on yourself. I. I am very, I'm more career driven than I realized. And I think I, I do work twice as hard sometimes to feel like I belong and, and you know, keep me around. Um, but I also, as you saw, I have two kids that I'm, you know, I was homeschooling full time. Now, thankfully, it's only part time. But I also had to realize, like, at the end of the day, I, I can't keep saying I need to do this email. The email can wait. And I had to give myself this time frame of, you know, this is when I'm going to log in. This is when I'm going to log out. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of the day, I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to go work out. 
And because otherwise I was just sitting at this desk and I was going a bit mad and I was losing prioritization and importance of, of what's valuable. And so I realized when I set that expectation for myself, like, hey, if you were in the office, you'd leave it for. That's yeah. what you would do. So I create, you know, my team was amazing at go get an office set up. If you have to log out, just do what you need to do. Go get an office set up. And there were times where homeschooling two kids did get real overwhelming. And I, I appreciate that I had a manager and a leadership team that would say, okay, how can we work with you so that you can handle doing both? Because this is, a, this is out of your control. Um, so I think having that open conversation with yourself and your management team is, is huge. Mm. That's so important. And if you can have those conversations with your employers, then that is a great, great thing indeed. You, you're just going to, yeah. it's going to benefit everyone. It's going to benefit them. It's going to benefit you. Everyone's going to be happier. Everyone's going to be more productive and, mm -hmm. uh, and do a great job at Absolutely. the end of the day, which is yeah. what everybody wants. Yeah. So, and it's awesome that that comes from someone at Brad Anderson's level, you know. I, I, I do. I, I loved watching the ship room and all the shows yes, that, that yes. Brad put out. I'll miss those. Actually quite <clears throat> devastated that they'll not come back. Uh, but it's really cool to see someone at his level as a kind of VP for, I think it was M365 or, you know, yeah. at such a high level, reinforcing yeah. that and saying, look, the world isn't going to fall apart just because you don't answer an email for an hour. You know, it's a perspective and it's cool to see that coming from the C-suites. Yeah. But it's also, it, it's something that I had to learn because being in hospitality with the role that I had, I was so used to being on my phone 24 seven on the weekends, didn't matter and right. getting this quick turnaround time. And finally I realized like, oh, well no, now it's become an expectation. If someone emails me, the expectation is I'm gonna answer on the weekend or I'm gonna answer within mm. 15 minutes. And I had to realize like, hold on, hold on. I need to level set what that expectation should look like, especially being at home with my family. Nothing is going to, you know, the Microsoft doors are not going to close if I don't answer an email within 15 minutes. In fact, if I wait and I'm more methodical and getting that answer and getting that issue or challenge or bug or whatever it is unblocked in a more direct, concise way, it might actually benefit everybody that I'm not just so quick to hurry and, and re respond. It's not that I don't care. It's about having the, the thought process behind it to say it's not urgent. And if it is urgent, you're going to know when to make that, that change in, in your role. But mm. for me, it was really setting new expectations for myself. Mm. And that's so important. And that is a hard instinct to fight because I am exactly the yes. same. If an email comes in, I just, Oh, I must respond to this. I, because I, I like to please people. I want people to be happy. Yeah. And I think, well, the sooner I, respond back the happier they're going to be keep people happy but it's that's not, not not the way it works and i it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process for me i'm i'm by far from the finished yeah. article in, in that regard i need to work harder at uh, at finding that that better balance it, it it can be challenging for sure yeah well especially now that we work with people all over the world <laughs> right if mm, i'm mm. really truly trying to think about making everybody happy if i'm getting up and someone's going to bed and vice versa mm. With the time zones, it's just not its not feasible to, to keep that up. You're going to go mad, and mm. you're not giving your best to everybody. And so that, that's how I looked at it. Absolutely. I guess shifting gears back to a discussion that uh, started earlier when you were talking about your journey into IT, and we talked mm -hmm. about repositioning yourself within Microsoft and things like that. And one of the things that comes up in the show is the discussion about, you know, female in tech and things like that. You mentioned how you want to be that role model to your daughters. You don't want to change who you are to kind of please other folks and nor should you have to do that. 
what what are your kind of thoughts on you know progress and things and how things are moving with the role of women in tech i'll be honest on this show we don't want to just kind of look at it as oh well there's this is the obligatory discussion we have to have this discussion it's about seeing well what can we do to make sure that i guess not just female in tech but anyone who might be might not think it's the industry for them how do we get folks interested in it so that that's a twofold question. Um, when it comes to where do I see women in tech, I would say across boundaries, whether, you know, due to everything happening right now in the world today, I would say we're making huge strides to be more inclusive across every mm. background person, you know, it, it doesn't matter because we're, we're now having it in our face that there are serious um, discriminations that are out there that we're not talking about. And so I think that because we are now being more open and we are having these conversations, we're encouraging more to be equal as as far as who they're hiring, truly looking at skills, truly looking at the background, looking at what, you know, what's the talent out there. Um, I know that when I was watching Build, I was blown away with a positive that there were so many women leading those conversations Mm. from, you know, you had Christina Warren and you had Donna Sakar and you just had so many, um, that we're, we're running the, the front stage and it wasn't just hmm. all, all males running it anymore. Um, people are seeing we need all colors, all shapes, all sizes, all backgrounds, um, all, all personalities. And so that was really something that I've noticed within the last few online events from Microsoft. I also noticed that within Microsoft, they're making it an actual, let's have a discussion. Let's get uncomfortable. Let, let's mm. have these awkward conversations. And so as a team, we're ha- like, hey, here's what's happening in the news. How do we feel about it? What do we do about mm. it? What are you doing about it? And so I do see a positive progression. And we only have Satya Nadella to thank for that because he's leading that, that effort, right? Um, and then just as far as why get into tech, I would say don't look at it as do you code or not? Do you have a mm. passion for a Microsoft service or not? I, what I say is that if everybody walked into Microsoft doing the same thing with the same personality, we would not think outside of the box. The fact that I, we have this color wheel and I am very social and I'm very direct. Um, I bring something that someone who's very data driven and very technical doesn't. So when you bring all of those together, you create amazing things. Um, if And so for people thinking, do I want to get into tech? I looked at it as <clears throat> I want to provide a life for my children that I'm proud of and that they're proud of. And it took me about seven years to finally realize all talents and skills are absolutely needed. It just might not look and feel the same way that you think. So my background being in hospitality, all of those skills are used every day for me. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't look and feel the same as when I walked into the hotel in Las Vegas. My skills that I learned booking and releasing um, in a jail, guess what? That attention to detail I use every day today. So whether it's you have a background of, you know, look at Christy. We, we did film girl, right? Christina Warren. We interviewed yeah. her. her background. She did film. She, she interviewed and now she's this incredible cloud advocate bringing mm. all of her strengths of writing and her background with technology with her to give a different perspective, different viewpoint and ability to connect with the audience in a different way than maybe somebody who doesn't have her background. So mm. just be open to what's there. Be open to why do you want to work for this company versus well, what, what will it look like? because that's never going to look the same. A PM on my team and a PM on Teams and a PM on O365 and a PM on EMS, they're all different. 
Mm. They're all doing something different. The fundamentals Mm. might be there, but the team is different. The personalities are different. And so I would say just be open-minded and think about what are your skills and your strengths and how can you leverage that on a team? Mm. Oh, so cool. So cool. And Christina, Warren and Donna Saka, two, I don't know them personally. I've, I've, I've spoken to them only on Twitter before, but they are two awesome, awesome human beings. I've got a lot of admiration for them both. And Donna speaks a lot very openly, wears her heart on her sleeve mm-hmm. and speaks about her own imposter syndrome. And I think to myself, how can some, she's completely awesome. How can Donna have imposter syndrome? But um, mm-hmm. but it, it's all it's all subjective, isn't it? But um, well, I mean, even I like Lori po- Potter, we talked mm-hmm. about her earlier. The fact, that, way, yeah. the fact that she has driven the team's MVP community for years and has one of the highest reputations. I mean, there's just so many amazing women in tech that are driving efforts. And now our our eyes are wide open. It's not just about women in tech. It's Mm. about every background, race, color, you know. Exactly, exactly. And the way I try and approach it from, from all aspects is the most important thing, in my opinion, is to listen and to learn, to give people the the time to, to, tell their story, tell their mm-hmm. uh, perspective and, and take the time to listen and appreciate and think, oh, actually, I've not thought of that in that way before. And that comes back to that phrase of unconscious bias, isn't it? And whether we like it or not, I think we've all got a bit of that in us. I think it's definitely there in all of us. But had you not written that blog about your son, I mean, think about that. You you mm. were able to share your experience with your son who has autism and what you deal with on mm. a day-to-day basis. So it's not just women in tech. It's not just your mm. race. It's, it's so mm. many hidden um, discriminations and hidden issues that we're mm. finally talking about. Um, yeah. You know, when we think about all the things that Microsoft is now doing to encourage anybody and everybody to mm. use their technology. Um, Xbox just came out with a new controller so that anybody with, you know, various, um, challenges they can all you know everything's accessible now and so there's way more than what's seen a lot of it's what's unseen is what we're dealing with today i feel like that that's where i want to so important and that was one of the reasons i wrote the blog because i wanted other people to know i mean there may be other people out there with very similar challenges to me i'm sure there are um but i wear my heart on my sleeve and a lot of people don't they they, they feel that they can't share their cell share themselves uh and open up and uh maybe i do it too much at times i don't think so i think i I, I don't think there's any such thing um because i just want people to talk at the end of the day and talking really is the best medicine if it's better than bottling it all up get it out there and nine times out of ten you'll find that people do appreciate the situation that you're in they can empathize they can relate on some level to something that's happened of a similar nature to them uh on their own journey so talking really is the best medicine i would agree 100 percent. totally agree pete Mm. i guess conscious of time here uh we are aware of the time difference and we don't want to keep you too long however we would be remiss to not conclude with the most important question that we ask all our guests here uh, and we'll need to keep a kind of scoreboard going and things like that. But we've got a running thing here in the show where we check with guests what their preference is. The movie, Terminator 1 or Terminator 2, what's it going to be? Am I going to get kicked off if I say I haven't seen either? <laughs> Actually, Possibly, no. Yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the most popular answer so far, isn't it? Really it really is. Yeah, it really is. I'm more of a rom-com girl. I, I like, you know, 50 first dates and... 
just very simple, fun, get a bag mm. of popcorn and sit on the couch with your kids. Mm -hmm. And you don't, I, I just, I, I think my mind's going so much all during the day that when I sit down to watch a movie, if I make it, usually I fall asleep. It's something I can laugh about and it's got a mm. little heart and soul to it. That's me. Fair enough. Yeah, Terminator is probably not the best film to sit down <laughs> with the kids with. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> uh, last week on Twitter, I made a little bit of a, one of these tag uh, five people with with your ten favorite films that you would name right now, um, and uh, there were a lot of predictable responses there. A lot of very sort of male responses, if you like, and The Godfather and very very macho films, shall we say? Uh, and then Steve Goodman came back and put in his list. I'm not going to apologize for the fact that I've got Enchanted in my list, to which oh. I was <laughs> cool, absolutely cool. And I said, I hey, I, there is a ton of films that that I absolutely love, which nothing which embarrasses me. And I put together my top 10 of uh, a list of uh, rom-coms or films that would not yeah. be tra traditionally male or, or if you like. And I said, I, I love Devil Wears Prada. I love, um, what was yep. the other ones I put in there? That uh, there, there's, I don't care who knows that, you know, it's all good. You, you like what you like. So That's right. <laughs> absolutely love it. But, um, but on that note, I mean, what else do you like to do in your spare time, uh, Holly? What, what, what hobbies do you have or interests or passions that uh, keep you happy outside of working hours when, you, when you're trying to maintain that work-to-life balance? Uh, definitely being with my family and my friends, 100%. Mm. Um, I love to work out. And even as a hobby, I love to connect with community. So all of my social media, it just because I, I truly don't want to lose that contact with community that's out there. And I feel like because of COVID, my ability to connect with community has grown mm. extensively because we can use Twitter and Instagram and, and LinkedIn. And um, and then, yeah, just I just like to be with my friends and be outside and enjoy the sun. Mm. So oh, when it's perfect. out there in Seattle, that's what I do. Mm. And you, um, on your Twitter, which I follow, um, you, you post a lot of really beautiful pictures of the, the area where you live. It, it, it yeah. just looks absolutely stunning. So uh, you've got some nice places to go by the looks of it. I do. I Yeah. I, I live in a really beautiful city. I just came back from a beautiful city. I'll always be a, a sun girl. Um, Arizona was awesome. But, you know, Seattle has so much beauty to offer as well. So, you know, we're really blessed. Absolutely fantastic. Well, Holly, it's been just an utter pleasure really and privilege fun. to have you yeah. join us on the show today. It's been amazing. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the viewers and listeners before we go and how they can connect with you? If I like would to? say, if I was going to give a message, I would say right now more than any time, have grace and kindness with everybody that you connect with, whether it's on social or live. We all need a little bit more grace and kindness with each other. And with yourself, um, I would say connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. You've got my Twitter handle there, Lehman underscore underscore Holly. And please follow us on, you know, enjoy Head in the Cloud, Heart in the Community. You can find us on YouTube. We would love the subscribers and just to grow the community that we're trying to drive together with Izzy and I. Awesome. Good stuff. We yeah. will link to all that good stuff uh, in Perfect. the show notes so that folks can find you nice and easy. And thank you so much for having me. This was such a beautiful opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, really good to meet oh, you. Thank Thanks you for joining us too. We will be in touch for sure. Take care, yeah, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Okay, well, let's wind up uh, episode 12 of, um, I nearly said head in the cloud, heart in the community there. That, that is your show. That is <laughs> a final plug for, for, for yours and Izzy's show. Uh, what are we called again? Cloud Conversations with her and <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Please 
And um, we never remember to do this. Please give us a, uh, a follow on Twitter. We are at, um, I don't know what we are, but you'll find us. And uh, we're on YouTube as well. Please give us a like and a, and a subscribe and all that good stuff. And uh, I've been Peter. This is my good friend, Rue, our wonderful guest, Holly. Uh, we'll sign off and we'll catch you down the road. Thank you all for joining us. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, everyone.